0: Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Ryan, here we are right here at the 4th of July weekend. Yeah, happy birthday, America. Yeah, (laughs) it's an exciting time. We got some rain this week. We needed that. I mean, we got a break from the heat a little bit. Um... We were suffering with 100-plus degree temperatures there for a couple weeks. It was super hot. Yeah, that was brutal, tough. Brutal June, so, you know, say la vie June. Yeah, <laughs> well, uh, we got c'est a couple la vie, more. Say uh, adios June, that was it. <laughs> you know, a couple more months that could be pretty brutal. So And the stock market was brutal in June, yes. too, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, adios to June, that is. <laughs> so, uh, welcome July. Hopefully, we get a lot better July. And, uh, you know, but we have a lot to talk about here. I mean, there's a lot going on. um, And, uh, you know, we're going to jump into that. I mean, we're going to jump right into this. We're going to talk about the markets. Buffett, Warren Buffett has a lot of advice on the stock market, obviously, over the years. And um, he's got investment advice for a bear market. And that's what I'm going to talk about this morning.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good topic. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I think it is because June was a little brutal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. And then we're going to talk about why adjustable rate mortgages are still risky because those are starting to climb in popularity now that interest rates are rising. So we want to just talk through that and make sure people are being wise.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great topic as well. Um, By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart SmartVestor Pro with over 27 years experience in financial planning and investment advice. And I'm Ryan Borders. I'm
1: also a certified financial planner
0: and a Dave Ramsey Smart SmartVestor Pro. And we're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday morning. And um, you can go to our website there. You can link to us there. A lot of information on MoneyMD, um, you moneymd.net know, is our website. And uh, we got all our past shows listed there. So we have hundreds of topics. We've been doing this for over 10 years. So a lot of great information there. So do check us out on our website. A lot of tools there as well. And you can link to us, send us your questions. We would love to hear from you. And we will talk about those right here on the show. Well, Ron, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah. So,
1: listen to this: revolving debt in the United States, like credit cards and other similar types of debts that don't have a fixed number of payments, uh, increased by 124 uh, billion over the last over 12 months, ending in March of this year, mm. to reach 1.4 trillion. So, although the 1.4 trillion is short of the nation's all-time high, which is at 1.9 um a trillion that was in uh December of 2019 the uh, 124.5 billion annual increase is the largest year over year dollar increase in US history so
0: mm. we're seeing people's personal debt go up um, which can be pretty risky yeah that that's a bad sign you know for america and we're back to being kind of overextended and increasing their debt um and i think historically that's kind of a an indication that that we're getting ready to slow down, that the economy yeah. is slowing down a little bit, um, which could be a positive sign for inflation, but it's a negative sign for the economy. So yeah. yes. hard to sort all these things out, yeah. but yeah, we're, we're starting to see debt rise again. So just make sure you're not one of those people. Absolutely. Right? Make sure that you're staying out of debt, that you're not putting things on credit cards. You're going the other direction, and that's the key here to be successful. you got to go to the other direction. you got to continually be going out of debt. Lowering your payments, getting the car paid off, getting ahead of that, you know, getting the credit cards paid off for good once and for all, one and done, bam. Do you think people should
1: increase emergency fund when things like recession are in the talks? What are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, I mean, you always should have three to six months, right? And so, you know, and if you're a single income type household, it should be probably near six months. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just gotta assess your situation, but yeah, I mean, you should always be there. So I'm not necessarily an advocate for you know, having any point where you have a low emergency fund, your your emergency fund needs to be very healthy. Absolutely. Um, So, but yeah, during a recession, obviously bigger chance you might get laid off or something in certain jobs. So certainly uh, take that into account and make sure you have a great emergency fund, but good fact of the week. And that leads us up here for our first topic. And that is Warren Buffett's advice, investment advice in a bear market. Um, Yeah, Ron, this is based on an article from Motley Fool very recently. Um, And, you know, it's never a bad idea to follow advice from one of America's best investors of all time, arguably of all time. That's Warren Buffett, um, the the investor billionaire nicknamed the Oracle of Omaha. You know, has a wealth of knowledge and advice out there for people who are willing to listen. And he, he disseminates that advice pretty routinely. A lot of it during his annual meetings and shareholder letters. Um, he offers significant insights into how to approach investing based on market conditions and particularly bear markets. And so here are some of his time tested, uh, advice that he's given out. Um, and how he says in his sayings that kind of relate to investing during down markets. So we're going to jump right into these because boy, he has a lot of them and some really meaty stuff here. First one is stop speculating and buying more risk investments. Um, You know, there's one particular piece of his advice today that could prove intense, immensely valuable to investors and one that could save you from incurring significant losses. And so if you've lost big in investment, he says the most important thing to do is to find your, if you find yourself in a hole is to stop digging. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, that's good advice for anybody, right? I mean, so what does that mean though? You know, investors who have incurred losses on the stock, they, they may consider themselves kind of to be in a hole. Um, you know, the deeper the loss, the deeper the hole. And so there can be a motivation to try to dig yourself out of this position by taking on more aggressive investments or even averaging down and buying more of the same speculative stocks.
1: Yeah. And so, for instance, suppose you bought shares of uh, COVID-19 vaccine maker Moderna uh, last year when it was near its high, you know, almost $500. Um, and now it's only around $130 a share. So if you were to buy twice as many shares at the current price, your average would be about half of the original price. That could be an incentive to load up on, on the stock now and bring your average cost down and make you feel like you are now getting a great deal, right? But this would be, digging, be the digging part of the equation. But in doing so, now you have invested significantly more money into an investment that has been in a free fall. Uh, generally, Buffett isn't opposed to value investing where you're buying stocks in which you are low and that are low in price and have <clears> fallen in value. But the problem is when you only, you know, put it in one stock like Moderna, it's just very risky. Um, in that situation, you could, in effect, uh, be digging a deeper hole for yourself if the stock doesn't turn around soon. In fact, it may not have a strong prospects of ever recovering. And I've seen a couple of these this year. People bought a lot of Moderna and right. just think it's gonna get back to that price. I've seen a couple examples this year.
0: Yeah, and that's a great example because people know Moderna now because we've all gotten the vaccine right. Yeah. You know, and and it's inconceivable that they didn't make money off of that <laughs> and that it's stock didn't do well. So I think that's a great example. And he uses it again here. He says, you know, so don't buy the next obvious winner because it's not obvious. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) So he says here, I mean, in the case of Moderna, I mean, the company seemed like a no lose stock just a couple of years ago. I mean, it created one of the first vaccines, which was to save all of humanity from the pandemic. I mean, for Pete's sake, you know, if that's not going to be a winner, what is Ryan? I mean, good grief. What could possibly go wrong? Right. I mean, despite having done well for a year now the healthcare company faces a challenging road ahead and has essentially made nothing for the past year and a half, you know, cu- in terms of the, the stock growing. Yeah, COVID-19 revenue beyond this year remains very uncertain as the global uh, economies kind of open back up and they look to be returning to normal. And while there is some demand for the booster shots and possibly even the cover 19 vaccine that targets the Omicron variant going forward, should it obtain approval, which it hasn't yet for for that variation of it, you know, there's still a strong likelihood that Moderna's revenue will fall in the years ahead. The FDA granted emergency use authorization for vaccine for children between the ages of six months and five years, um, but fewer than one in five parents have indicated they're willing to get their children vaccinated as soon as they can. So there's big questions there about Moderna And, uh, that's just a remarkable illustration of how unpredictable stocks are, you know? I mean, a company that was going to save humanity basically between them and Pfizer from this pandemic and, you know, their stock has underperformed the market for the past year.
1: Real quick. Give me an example. One, let's say the nineties. Do you remember one from the nineties that was like that?
0: Oh, wow. Uh, from the nineties, um, big run up. Um, let's think about this, uh, Gosh, there were so many that got killed during the tech bubble yeah. of two thousand. Um wasn't pets.com or something, something with pets. There was dot com, everything that had dot com after it got murdered back then. You know, I mean yeah. I'm just thinking about MCI WorldCom and all the telecoms that just hmm. that just lost their shirt and went bankrupt. Um, you know, there were a whole bunch of them whenever they were going into this age of wireless communications, uh t wireless, you know, went defunct.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure all those were household names at that time. And yeah, everyone was like, "You got to get on this." And now I don't, I don't know any of those companies,
0: right? Right. So it's right. just interesting. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's it's uh, you just never know, you know. I mean, hey, how about XM? Uh, you know, the satellite, uh, uh Sirius and Sirius XM. and XM satellite. I mean, those were kind of a no brainer. And Sirius got eventually bought out after they went just pretty much defunct. Um, yeah. So, you know, and then there were. There was the sat phone. Uh, there was a sat phone company called Radon. I don't remember what, what it was. What's a sat phone? W- well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. That's my perfect example right there. You know, that was going to be the next big thing. Everybody was going to be using satellite phones. Oh, satellite phones. Not, not cell phones. Yeah, Interesting. That didn't happen, did it? No. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, Novax was another example that they use here. You know, the stock's fallen heavily. I mean, year to date it's crashed 72%. Um, which makes Moderna's 50%, you know, look almost small in comparison. I mean, averaging down these situations can prove very dangerous, so don't do it, basically, is the moral of the story here. Um, And then the the next point here is discretion is the better part of valor. You know, I mean, if a stock isn't performing well, the best option is simply to sell your shares and look for more diversified options instead. I mean, Moderna and Novak are two examples of companies that faced Face a tough road ahead, you know, and, and have faced tough roads and there's no shortage of others. So rather than doubling down these investments and putting more money at risk, investors will be better off buying a diversified portfolio of stocks and bonds and then holding it. I mean, being diversified in eight to 10 different asset classes gives you a much better chance of recovering when the market does recover and avoid the big, huge potholes that sometimes line the road during these bear markets.
1: Yeah, and we we meet with people. I met with someone that had Moderna stock and said, well, I don't want to sell until it kind of recovers, you know, and they get in that mindset like they think it's going to get back there. And the reality is that that's not guaranteed. And you might just be, and it might keep going down. And so it's really hard to sometimes convince people to do what you just said. Um, Exactly. But the next point is, hey, trust in American ingenuity. Uh, Warren Buffett always believes that America will recover and move on to new highs. Because in the end, capitalism prevails and allows companies to pivot to more profitable ventures when the economy gets hurt. A great example is during COVID, right? All the companies like Amazon, they they pivoted to online sales to take out with the restaurants. Uh, Therefore, he's not a fan of sitting out the stock market or trying to time the next downturn. Instead, he believes you need to buy a diversified portfolio and stay invested through the ups and downs. By the time you would finally want to get out, the market often is ready to, uh, ready to recover and move higher. So, you know, therefore, you will usually hurt your return if you try to time the downturn. So you want to stick to a portfolio design to weather the ups and downs and take advantage of the big returns that often happen in the first part of a recovery.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, and do, do trust in America. I, I believe they do pivot, and capitalism does <clears throat> does make markets, you know, recover relatively fast from these downturns, um, like you said, from companies to pivotings. That's that's very good. Another one is to, you know, the best holding period for the market is forever. <laughs> and Go long, that's what he's saying here. Uh-huh. Yeah, stop thinking short term and worrying about these pullbacks. You know, when it comes to investing in the stock market, Buffett believes a good portfolio should be held onto forever. You know, he says, we're just... We are just the opposite of those who hurry to sell stocks and to book profits when companies perform well, but who tenaciously hang on to businesses that disappoint them. You know? Peter Lynch, another legendary legendary investor, he aptly likens such behavior to cutting the flowers and watering the weeds. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, don't uh don't do that. Hold on the stocks. Plan to hold on your portfolio forever. And another one here is to buy when others are thinking about selling. Another way of saying this is this quote A, a simple rule dictates my buying. Be fearful when others are greedy, and be greedy when others are fearful. Uh, that's a great yeah, that's quote great. from Warren Buffett. Yeah, I mean, let's face it, you know, we all love to buy um, most things when they're on sale, except the stock market. Well, I mean, we need to change that mindset. And if we want to be successful and sleep at night, I mean, you have to be able to also buy stocks when they're on sale. So that's his point here. Another point he has here is, you know, when it's it's during hard times that the winners and losers get exposed, you hmm. um, You know, there are times when everything looks like a great idea. Like last year, I mean, coming out of the pandemic, you know, people were buying anything and everything, including cryptocurrency and, you know, NFT, those non-fungible tokens. You know, looking back, I mean, it's a little hard to believe really now, you know, that people are buying that stuff. I mean, that's down like 60, 70 percent or more, you know, this year. Um, I mean, this brings us to one of my favorite quotes from Warren Buffett. <laughs> I love this one. I mean, you only learn who's swimming naked when the tide goes out. <laughs> <laughs> I is. think we can all see now that cryptocurrencies and NFTs have been truly swimming naked. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's simply nothing to back them other than the man from the wild speculation that's been out there. And when that speculation dries up, it, it's game over.
1: Remember when they said it was a hedge against inflation? They were saying that? (laughs) Yeah, right,
0: right. That didn't pan out.
1: Yeah, so the next is when the opportunity arises to add to your portfolio at a deep discount, use a bucket, not a spoon. Okay, so his quote was, every decade or so, dark clouds will fill the economic skies and they will briefly rain gold. So Buffett believes you need to keep some dry powder and be ready to use it Use it all when it starts raining gold and the deep discounts abound. So when the markets get to what you believe is a real bottom, then it's time to deploy all that dry powder and get stocks at the rare and deep discount.
0: Yeah, I mean, these are great quotes and and just great principles, I think, from Warren Buffett, who is arguably one of the best, if not the best, you know, investor of all times. I mean, he's also a very optimistic investor, and he believes in America, and he believes in the stock market. You know, that sentiment has certainly served him well. So in the same vein, you know, as this bear market drags on, I mean, we would recommend that you stay focused on the long term, on your long term goals with an eye to the future. Like Buffett, don't get caught up in the day to day gyrations of the stock market. History shows it will eventually recover and it will move on to new gains and new highs again. So, you know, I think these are some great principles you want to stick to a diversified portfolio, and and just you know, add to it when markets are down. That's that's really the keys that he's pointing he's to. He's our Michael Jordan of investing. There, yeah, love <laughs> it, love it. <clears throat> Oracle of Omaha, good advice. All right, and that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, speaking of Bitcoin.
1: Um, we've got a couple questions recently. Is now a good time to invest in crypto with Bitcoin being down over 50% year to date? And our answer would be no, because there's just no real fundamentals backing it. And so it's it's very risky. It's very speculative. And as we've seen now that the economy has not been, uh, the markets haven't been doing as well. It's struggled very much so. And so you got to be very careful um, because it might not get back to those highs that it was at, what was it, July of last year? Maybe 60,000 or so. It might never get back there.
0: Could might never get back. That's right. Who knows? I mean, you know, it's totally speculation, you know, and there's yeah. no limit how far something could fall. So just because it's down 50% doesn't mean it can't go down another 50%. Correct. I mean, that happened to technology stocks, you know, and the dot coms, a lot of those they go to zero on their way to zero, they lose 50% time and time again until it gets to zero. So, yeah, you know, you just can't speculate, follow speculation. Plus a fifty percent drop in something like that is irrelevant to where it's headed for the future. Yeah, so that's a good question, but uh, yeah, I would avoid that mentality of just you know buying catching a falling knife is the another (laughs) another uh, illustration that's very common on Wall Street. Don't don't try to catch a falling knife. Yeah, (laughs) bad idea. Like that. All right. And so uh, that leads us up to our next topic here, and that is why adjustable rate mortgages are still risky. Yeah, Steve. Do you remember the adjustable rate mortgage? It's been <laughs> a long time, Orion. You know, it really has. I haven't had anybody come to my office here yeah. in the last, you know, month or two or in, for years, quite frankly talking about buying just getting an adjustable rate mortgage
1: yeah well it's getting more popular again so uh, I guess they started in the 80s I was doing a little research on them and that's when they first came out but with rising interest rates are again making those mortgage mortgages attractive to home buyers because the starting rate is generally lower than the rate on a traditional fixed um, home loans but they can be riskier and we're going to really dive into that today um, adjustable rate mortgages known as arms have an interest rate that can go up or down over time. The rates start out low, typically below prevailing rates on a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage, but it can change after a set time span, say three, five, or seven years, making borrowers' monthly payments more expensive over time. So ARMs haven't been much in demand in recent years because rates have been so predictable. Uh, Rates on predictable fixed-rate mortgages remained low, and now uh, they also earned a bad reputation during the financial crisis, Steve. So when underqualified borrowers were lured into um, initially low interest rates and were unable to keep up with payments when they rose, so that was a big deal in 08. Uh, so laws have been passed, uh, just making it more transparent about the lending of these going forward. They've gotten rid of a lot of the provisions like uh, prepayment penalties and things like that, that used right. to be in place. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um so they're 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 a little bit more responsible, but today we're going to really dive into the risks of them and, and trying to understand them.
0: Yeah, that's right. Things have changed a little bit with with uh, ARMs uh, adjustable rate mortgages, but you know as interest rates um, rise as well as home prices you know surge this year, some borrowers are again returning to ARMs to make their house payments more affordable. You know the average rate on thirty year fixed rate loan now tops five percent. Um, well above 5%. It's up from, from less than 3% just a year ago, according to the housing giant Freddie Mac. At the same time, the medium sales price of previously owned homes was about 391,000 in April. That was up 15% from a year earlier. Some parts of, country, of the country, you know, typical sales prices are a lot higher than that. Um, even so. So the combination of higher prices and costlier mortgages means that some buyers are really feeling squeezed. And um, sometimes they're, they're, they're starting to f- try to find other ways to yeah. make their mortgage payment. And so lenders are getting a lot more questions and inquiries about, about adjustable rate mortgages. Um, they say that it's a very strong tool to use. And, and from an affordability standpoint, it can help. Um, but that's not always great advice. Yeah. Yeah. So last year, no more than 4% of mortgage applications were
1: arms. Um, so one of the, this is from a chief economist at the mortgage uh, banker association. This year, he said the shares has risen about 10%. Um, so, you know, with the higher prices, we're starting to see more people look at arms. Uh, For borrowers who want to buy right now, they can realize significant savings by choosing an arm, he said. The average starting rate on an adjustable rate loan with initial fixed rate period of five years was 4.04% compared to 5.09% for a fixed rate loan. Uh, And so the difference represents savings of more than $200 a month on a $350,000 loan. Uh, So some borrowers, borrowers use the savings to pay down the principal on their loan during the initial lower rate period, saving money over the life of the loan. Uh, But uh, if you can afford it, you know, some people recommend putting the savings away or applying it to a principal. But like we said, that that can be very risky and we're going to get into that a little bit soon.
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, that is the catch of course, is that the rate can rise a lot after that fixed rate period expires. Um, So, You know, compared with arms available from before the financial crisis, um, you know, back 15 years ago, which offered kind of these low teaser rates and then allowed rates to reset quickly. Today's adjustable rate loans are safer um, and mortgage experts say that, you know, they're not the same as they were back then. They typically do have a fixed rate period of at least three years now, and little limits on how often, how much those rates can go up after that, um, such as one change per year and no more than two percentage points during a year, but still two percentage point rises pretty long. Yeah. That's a lot, right? <laughs> so it can still go up a lot. And, you know, the risky arms that let borrowers pay just interest only on the loans or choose their own payment amount also are no longer widely available. So some things have changed to make them a little bit less risky, but still borrowers, you know, may see their rates increase quite a bit after that initial repayment period. So they need to plan ahead to be sure that they can afford bigger payments if they can't sell their house or refinance their loan. And, you know, no one can say for sure what rates will be in five to seven years, but right now, I mean, they're, they're rising and you just don't know. So there's not much room to go down, and and there's lots of room to go up, according to the experts. So you got to be very careful with these.
1: Yeah, so if you are going to do this, it's wise to calculate what your payment would be if your rate rose to the loan's cap. Uh, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau offers a guide to adjustable rate mortgages that can help you evaluate evaluate your loan. You can also calculate the higher payment yourself using online tools like offered from Freddie Mac, um, but arms are more complex than traditional mortgages and people need to understand this. With more terms to understand and a potential changes to keep track of, so borrowers need to take the time to truly understand what they're getting into before they just, you know, sign the paperwork. Be aware, be educated before you jump in, says Linda McCoy, president of the National Association of Mortgage Brokers. And so here are some, you know, questions and, and answers about the adjustable rate mortgages.
0: Yeah, just real quick, you know, I mean, what does a an arm, you know, that's advertised as a five one, seven one, ten one really mean? Well, the first number refers to the fixed period, you know, five, seven, ten years. The second number though is the number of times the rate can change after that fixed period, like once per year, for example. Um, you know, but then sometimes it can be six months and those would be decided as maybe a seven, six month type loan and so on. So um uh, so a 7-1 or a 7-2 means it can go up you know, one time a year or two times a year, and it's seven-year fixed-rate loan.
1: Yeah, some loans allow a larger increase at the first reset, often five percentage points above the starting rate, then allow increases of no more than two percentage points, said Sean Block, a mortgage broker on Long Island. Some lenders underwrite arms based on the borrower's ability to make payments at the initial fixed rate plus 2% points, he said. Most ARMs are also put a cap on the total increase over the life of the loan. So if the initial fixed rate is 4% and the cap is 5 the rate can't go higher than 9%. But that still makes for a much higher monthly payment. So when does an ARM make sense? And some of this is debatable, but if you are confident that you will remain in the home for a relatively short period, less than the loan's fixed rate period, an ARM may make sense. You can sell the home or refinance the loan before the rate uh, is, is reset. People who can realistically expect significant increases in salary before the reset, like a medical resident or law student, um, may also benefit, uh, Ms. McCoy said.
0: But the bottom line is, I mean, this is probably too risky for yeah. a lot of borrowers. You know, I mean, if you're an hourly earner, I mean, if you're just kind of barely getting in this loan and getting in this house, there's risk that it's going to go up and it's going to be unaffordable. So it really comes down to risk. Um, you know, if you have a low risk tolerance, uh, you should never have an ARM. That's kind of the bottom line here. Yeah. Would you ever suggest doing
1: it? I'm um, just from your experience.
0: Uh, not, not really. Um, you know, I think if you can't, if you can't just, you know, pay, do the fixed rate. The only way I would suggest doing it is if you knew you were going to not be in the house and and you just or rates were super high and you expected them to come down in the. F- it, well, let me put it that way. It, rates were were going up as they are today, but you knew you could refinance later and it wasn't going to be a stretch for you. Th- then I think maybe maybe yeah. do an arm. But yeah, yeah you just got to be careful.
1: I just struggle because things change so much year to year in people's lives and you just don't know what's ahead. And so it's just so risky. Um, so I'm not a huge fan. Um, but this was, I meant to say earlier by the New York Times, this is Ann Carnes at the New York Times. And we just want to make sure everybody understands them and knows the risk.
0: Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Good topic. All right. And that leads us up here to our final thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Oh, um, and so that prescription is, you know, do you invest in a Roth IRA or pre-tax uh, regular IRA? Um, and then what we would suggest is, you know, you always want to lean toward a Roth IRA if you have that choice. Um, so when you're 401k, you know, for instance, if you have the option to do Roth um, we would suggest you, you put, you know, at least half of your pre-tax of your contribution in a Roth IRA. The idea here is whenever you get to retirement, um, you know, having some money in a Roth IRA will give you a lot of flexibility to manage your tax situation. So you, you want to do a Roth IRA if you can. You want to have a good mix of that. Most people have too much money in pre-tax IRAs. So having money in Roth will give them lots more flexibility. Plus, I mean, Roth IRA money is worth more. When you get to retirement, you start drawing money out. And let's face it, tax-free money is, is like 30% more than pre-tax mm. money because you don't have to pay taxes on it. So it's just a powerful tool for young people. You know, that money can grow tax-free. We don't know what rates are going to be in the future. You're locking in the rate today, which for most people was relatively low to where it was, you know, 30 years ago um, when you look at rates. We would suggest put a healthy portion in Roth IRA, and if you have the choice between just contributing to Roth versus IRA, regular IRA, choose Roth. Yeah. So,
1: I, I hear Ramsey recently said he suggests everybody do Roth over pre-tax, which I
0: thought was pretty bold, but yeah, <clears throat> I mean, I see absolutely. why he says that. So there you go. That's your prescription of the week. And that brings us to a close for this week's edition of MoneyMD. Tune in next week for more prescriptions for your financial help. Check us out on our website, MoneyMD.net. You can Link to us there. Send us your questions. We would love to hear from you. Or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. and Have a great rest of the week.
1: This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Investor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.